Hello and welcome to Global Sanctuary for Elephants podcast, Global Rumblings. Global Sanctuary for Elephants, or GSC for short, is a non-profit organization with a mission to create vast safe spaces for captive elephants where they are able to heal physically and emotionally, often from very traumatic pasts. I'm your host, Nadia Mari, and I'll be taking you to the lush jungle of the Mato Grosso region in central Brazil, home of GSE's initial project, Elephant Sanctuary Brazil. Currently home to six female Asian elephants, lovingly referred to as the girls. Hi, welcome and thank you for joining us this week again on Global Rumblings. On today's episode, we are going to learn more about Hana, the sanctuary's third elephant. So let's head on over to Brazil. Hello, Scott. Hello, Kat. How are you? Hey, Nadia. How are you doing? Hello, Nadia. I'm fine. The weather's cooled down a little bit. So last last week or last recording, I was very exuberant and showing off and saying I didn't want to bore you with the details of the hot summer here in Germany. But <laughs> at least in North Rhine-Westphalia, where I live, it's sort of cooled down. Last week, it was like 30 degrees. And uh, yeah, this week, it's sort of 20 to 22. So slightly chilly. So um, It's going to start snowing at any moment. <laughs> Don't say that. I tell you, I'll be, I'll be with you so fast. I won't even pack a suitcase. Seriously, I'll just hop onto the next plane. Because uh, you've got, uh, yeah, rainy season, isn't it? Now with you, we the are the beginning of the rainy season. No, we no. are middle of dry season. We still have. Oh, you're still the dry season. Yeah, we have two scary months left. Um, but it's we know we now having our dry season winds, which are consistently twenty kilometers an hour. Um, almost every day, 10 to 20 kilometers an mm. hour. And then sometimes up, uh, it'll gust quite a bit more, but today is one of those windy days for sure. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's a lot. It has been, we've had some sort of, yeah, sometimes I, I wouldn't call them tropical rainstorms, but when it does actually rain here, because it's sort of unusually hot, they are very, um, very windy as well. But I don't think anything like I remember having, uh, with you guys or, at least in Southeast Asia as well. They're, I think tropical rainstorms and thunderstorms are different. But uh, before before our producer Bob says, look, stop talking about the weather, start talking elephants, let's talk elephants. Um, last week, we or the last episode, we ended off learning more about Hana, or actually you introduced us to Hana, your, your third elephant. She was a former circus elephant who had been staying at a, a zoo slash hotel slash amusement park slash I think there was many other um, things going on at that place as well. And on the east coast of Brazil, and she came to the sanctuary, settled in quite well. But the relationship with Gita and Maya maybe wasn't like many of your supporters or many people who like happy ends would be because, uh, yes, she was a little bit too exuberant, a little bit too needy. And Gida and Maya maybe at the time weren't in the place to accept such a, a sister, as Scott said, who was showering them with so much love. So she went off on her own and explored the sanctuary. Do you remember when the dynamics shifted between the three? Well, Kat just pointed at me and I'm looking at Kat thinking, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, that's why I pointed at you. <laughs> I don't remember. She's your how. favorite. You're supposed yeah, to remember everything about Hana. I don't remember exactly how those dynamics unfolded. I know they started warming up for her to her, 
It wasn't all the time. Sure. Uh, but they definitely, she, she pulled back, uh, Hannah definitely pulled back and she realized that, you know, her behavior was a little bit too exuberant uh, and she needed to curtail her excitement for new elephants a little bit more. Um, she went off and explored yard five on her own a bunch, but, and I know it's not, like you said, it's not the fairy tale instantly becoming a herd member that most people would want, but it was also you know, yes, her feelings were a little hurt, or at least they seemed to be, but Sanctuary was still so new. So she was all excited, you know, exploring and. Yeah, we, we talked, you know, many episodes, uh, throughout many, several episodes about the impact of autonomy, you know, and even though she didn't have that, the idealistic friendship from the get go, you know, it still has an abundance to offer. <laughs> And she mm. still had rumble parties and she still had vocalization with the other elephants. Um, and she had a lot of space to explore and she did. She, she went all over the place. And we weren't exactly sure how she would do it based on her elbow. She has an, uh, her front left leg is completely rigid from an old injury. Uh, but she did really well going up and down through the creeks. Yep. Sometimes not the easiest for her to do, um, especially back then without a lot of muscle. But as she started to build more muscles or explore, she she did exceptionally well. And it's not like she ever ended up being best friends with my Angita. I mean, yeah. that is not something that ever happened. Okay. She did start spending more time around them, but when she would spend time with them, she realized and never lost the lesson of the fact that she should not try and actually go between them that <laughs> it was nice enough just to be able to spend time with them versus trying to, or what it seemed like trying to have what they had instead. It seems with her time alone, she realized that what she was going to have with them was different than what they had with each other. And it was okay to yeah. let them lay down and sleep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor elephants. <laughs> nothing more annoying that every time when you go to go to sleep somebody wakes you up but so how come she um actually didn't want Gida or Maya or whoever to lie down was she frightened was it something because she herself hadn't um laid down or had she laid down she had historically Do you know laid down even at the sanctuary she had laid down to sleep um maybe because it was the middle of the day I, we don't know uh, that's one of those impossible <laughs> Impossible. You would have to ask Hannah. Impossible to answer. I mean, there's a lot that we can extrapolate <laughs> with them, you know, in terms of, you know, the 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 behavior that they are presenting and how that correlates to emotion uh, or how it correlates to sentiment. It's not always 100%, of course, you know, but there's a lot that we can do. But when it comes to what was she thinking, <laughs> you know, that's a little more complicated, um, you know, but... There's no set reason why she would not would not have allowed them to lay down. Uh, I'm just thinking likely from I just the excitement of them being next to each other, not necessarily not wanting mm. to lay down, but we don't we don't know for sure. And you also said um, I, I had to think about that, and you mentioned it just now. She had a fused elbow. Maybe for listeners who don't quite understand, is that um, similar to when? I don't know, a, a human fractures or breaks something and it's not fixed, then it just like stiffens up or was it then actually fused by a vet? No, it was from what we were told, which, you know, you have to take all of that with a grain of salt. She, somebody just 
went further into what her injury was, and it was something I had never heard before. It was supposed to have happened when she was about five years old. And I don't remember, did you say something recently about it? Somebody said something, and people say a lot of some things. There are theories that we heard a story. Somebody said that Hana was actually with Maya and Gita earlier on, and that Hana bit off Maya's tail. Um, Maya has a very short tail with no hair. Um, something happened to it at some point, what we don't know. So you end up hearing a lot of random stories that most of them likely aren't true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was supposed to have been from an injury when she was about five years old and just because of how it healed, it healed where it wasn't able to bend anymore. So. Oh, okay. Okay. And her, uh, and you also described how when you um, first saw her at the zoo that she had a very badly uh, infected vulva, which um, no one was allowed to treat. But actually the second day that she was with you at the sanctuary, she actually allowed you to close her into the treatment chute and, uh, and treat her. And... Um, one of our listeners sent in an email, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, Kat, and asked um, how elephants react to, to, to human touch, I think, wasn't it? She said, you know, how do elephants feel about humans touching them? Yeah, it's like, uh, like what you believe elephants feel towards the humans they interact with. Oh, okay. Um, like so, and... And that was from John. Yeah, so I mean, every elephant's different. Every elephant, every relationship, everything else is, is so vastly different. It depends on the need. I think a lot of times when there is a physical need, like what Hannah had, they become increasingly tolerant. Sure. Uh, expedited expeditiously. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, there's different if you're just, you know, trying to develop a relationship. Uh, for the sake of the relationship versus trying to build trust for the sake of actually providing for them, the response is different. Mm. You know, it is the injured wild animal on the side of the road who sometimes somehow just says, okay, fix me. <laughs> I hate you. I want to eat you, but I need you to fix me. You know, so they realize sometimes they need human, human ass assistance um, mm. and they put all their fears to the side so they can, uh, contain that anyway so they can allow humans to take care of them and i think that happens with this type of physical need that said hana opened up right away uh she was incredibly affectionate but not in a touchy-feely kind of way uh, she just liked looking at you she liked you looking at her <laughs> she, she liked, still likes looking at likes you <laughs> people who are really present and and yeah she's she's different that way you know than most my and Gita were completely different. Of course, they had each other. Uh, yeah. And who says, you know, who's to say if, if Gita's over-exuberance was actually successful <laughs> and they became these three instantaneous uh, sisters, you know, she may have responded to us differently, but because of that little separation, maybe she had a little bit more tolerance. It's impossible to say. He said Gita, not mm. Hana. I got confused for a second. Oh, sorry. One of those elephants. <laughs> I'm a little sleep deprived. <laughs> trying to trying to catch up. You know, so but with Maya and Gita, you know, they they let us take care of them, but it wasn't the same. They weren't looking for anything from us. Where Hana seemed to be looking for us to be close to, not all the time, mm. but when we were there, she wanted you to be really wanted you to connect with her. 
uh, where Mayan Gita did not. So, and Hannah, I mean, she was incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how much we talked about it, but I mean, yeah, there were maggots and everything. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so much discomfort to have it so swollen that it can't retract back up into her body. And even people seeing it on the video, the live feeds, she would be kicking herself. And I mean, yeah. it was just very, very uncomfortable. So I think she was at least willing to give us a shot to see if we could do something. And I think it felt better right away, even just cleaning it because she didn't start as far back in the shoot initially. Um, and then when we started washing it, she ended up backing up because I'm sure mm. it was well we know it was very dirty (laughs) um but i'm sure even just the washing it felt much better so they definitely seem to be able to put together when you do something for them that physically makes them feel better um yeah there is that connection that they seem to easily make so it makes sense that hana immediately realized that what we were doing made a difference and made her feel better than she had felt in years. So Hmm. it was. And is that issue now resolved? I mean, she's been with you for five years now. Or is that still something you have to keep an eye on because it was so chronic that it can. We still spend a lot of time looking after her, (laughs) (laughs) her dirty parts. I was wondering Um, how you were going to phrase it. One second, (laughs) a lot of wind coming in here. Yeah, and you're wobbling around a lot, or your video, your camera is. There's a, it's a, I mentioned the wind earlier, and to help our editor a little bit, I'm going to wait for that wind gust to go past because the microphone will certainly be picking up those wind gusts. Uh, so we definitely have to, a lot to do taking care of our girly bits. Uh, we still get washed at least every other day, um, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. It's generally fine. It's not like we're washing it every other day because she's still having problems. It's just making sure that nothing happens that we're then, you know, not looking at for weeks and then it becomes much worse than it needs to be. So she's super cooperative with it. We do tick checks anyway. You know, we check all the thin spots of their skin that ticks can actually latch onto. So a big one is the belly and by their girly bits. So, you know, we're already looking around there and it doesn't take much more effort to just make sure that all of that is okay as well. And do you have any other cute stories to share with us? I had to laugh when I listened to the last episode just to catch on for today. And uh, you talked about her calling you out in the middle of the night and you like, <laughs> falling out of bed and jumping and running on the four wheeler. And then there she was like, oh, everything's fine. You know, I'm grazing here. And so uh, she was obviously having the time of her life and and enjoying the sanctuary and everything it had to offer. Any other fun stories? I'm actually going to go back to the human touch thing again, um, because I don't think we, we kind of breezed past it in conjunction with talking about, once again, we are going to talk multiple times about Girl is Honey. Hannah's girly bits. Um, but I think, I think the impact of our touch on elephants is, it's a big topic, but it's also somewhat difficult to, to actually quantify because I think when it comes to our relationships with elephants, we have a tendency to taint them a little bit in our favor um 
I was thinking about it earlier today. I've only worked with one elephant free contact. It was free contact, non-dominance. Um, so no bull hooks, no coercion. It was just that she had really, 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 really bad feet. Um, and in order to treat them twice a day, like you needed to often, you had to go to her and she's in the middle of, you know, a field. So there's no protection and you just put her buckets down and she was great. She was lovely. She was perfect in my eyes. Um, but I had the thought today when I was thinking about it, that, I would have to assume, and I would have never thought it in the moment, that there had to be times where I went to her for affection when she wasn't necessarily in the same place. And mm. I'm not saying she didn't love me. Um, it was a very nice relationship between the two of us. But we have a tendency to, when you have that kind of access to an elephant, to just want to go up and say hi and touch and with her, give her a hug. You could hug her leg even. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's always the page she's on and whether okay. it's, she didn't feel well that morning. She was in extra pain. She just wasn't feeling social, whatever it is. We all have our moments. Um, because she was so well-behaved and she wasn't aggressive and she wouldn't do anything like that. I don't know that I even thought about maybe she doesn't want me to go up and do this today. And mm. for me, it's one of the things that I really appreciate about protected contact. Um, for those who don't know, protected contact means there's either a barrier between you and the elephant, like a fence, or a vast amount of space. Like you go into the habitat to drop hay, but they're, you know, 60 yards away. And one of the really nice things for me about protected contact is that you don't have those moments anymore where you may accidentally go up and want to be touchy and lovey if they're not in that kind of place because they just don't come up to you or they just walk away. And of course, Delhi could have walked away. But the thing is, you know, if you're not offering food and they know you're not offering food, they just don't even come up for that if it's not something they're interested in. So it creates, for me, I think it creates a more respectful relationship in that regard where you're not invading their space and putting your own wants, needs, desires on them just because they're good elephants and that they allow it. Yeah. And I think we have to go back to what is our job here, you know, and our job is to help facilitate their evolution and their recovery. And many times that requires us not being involved with them. It means stepping away. It is helping them feel comfortable, but not dominating the friendships, you know, it's not about us and Hana. It's about Hana and Mayangita, you know, and even if she doesn't have Mayangita right now, even if they are not as present as she would like, it is still, we don't need to fill that void with human relationships and override what could be developing if we step back. So it's trying to give her the space to continue to grow while making sure she doesn't feel abandoned by everybody. And, you know, if you keep that in mind, when we are assessing these interactions, I think it helps curtail exactly what Kat's talking about. Because even in protected contact, 
you can still, even if there's a fence between you, you can still have a negative impact through our desire to have a positive impact. You can have a negative impact on their future because I want to be close to, I want to say hi to, I want to give them an extra one amount, I want to give them a bath. You know, and we've had that happen here, especially with new caregivers is almost every time there's uh, an elephant was by one of the water troughs, they would go over and give them a bath in summertime, uh, which in some ways is nice, but then are they looking to that caregiver to be fulfilling them on a near constant basis and sometimes three or four times a day uh, there. So they end up staying at the water trough waiting for the next bath time because the bath time is not only about the bath. It's also, there's normally food associated with it. Meanwhile, there's okay. a whole vast sanctuary of food <laughs> if they go explore. <laughs> so there, we have to- And of to... course they can bathe themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, yeah. <laughs> they, they can do it themselves. The water is there, they're there. You know, it's not like if the caregiver doesn't do it, they can't take a bath. They can take a bath. It's just yeah. on their own. But a lot of it is, you know, just making sure we stay focused on what is, what, what is our job? What is it that the elephant is looking for? What do they need? What do they need from us? And I know people then ask, I mean, we get the question all the time uh, through social media, you know, do you touch your elephants? You know, because we say protect contact, protect contact. And people ask if we're affectionate with them, if we ever. And of course, um, I say, of course, because, well, we're here and we see what happens. But um, yeah, we still have, we can still have with that protection and them knowing that their space is their space an affectionate and loving relationship, you know, talking about Hana, Hana is one of those elephants that needs you to love on her before you start anything. So if she comes in for her tick check and, you know, to make sure that her vulva looks fine, you know, she wants you to say hi to her before you do anything. She doesn't want you to just go about your business. She wants you to stop. She wants you to put her trunk in your hand. She wants you to put your face closer to her face so she can look right into your eyes. She prefers if you touch her face, if you pet her ear. She wants all of this before you do anything. And you can do. Okay. You can just go into her treatment and you don't have to do that. But that's not generally what she wants. She wants that affection. She looks for it. You know, she appreciates that time connecting with you in that way. And, you know, they like everything from butt scratches to tongue rubs. And we can still do all of that, you know, from the other side of a fence and still respect their autonomy. And that, that space inside the fence is their home. You know, they don't yeah. have to be worried about their behavior towards humans. They don't have to take any of that into consideration. They can just relax and be an elephant and not have to worry about much, much else. And with Hana, you know, right now we have a relatively new person who is, or not new to the organization, but new to starting to work with the elephants with doing their treatments directly. And he is not comfortable being close enough to touch her face or to touch her trunk or mm. hold her nose, but he can still connect with her. He can still have yeah. that moment of open your heart, look at her eyes, let her see you, let her feel you, let her see where you are. And she, she can do that without the physical touch as well. Uh, she does appreciate it more uh, with a physical touch, but it can happen without it as long as you're opening your heart and opening, you know, opening yourself enough that she can see all of you. 
which is a little scary. It's a little bit vulnerable at times uh, to expose yourself that way. But she, it really is powerful and meaningful to her. She really wants to feel the person that is working with her and not in a physical touch way. She wants to feel. Yeah, that does sound, that sounds wonderful. And especially because it is, um, as you said last time, you're reading the room and you're reacting to what she wants. So Hana comes up and you say that she prefers to have eye contact and physical contact before you start doing her treatment. But that is something that she wants. It is their space, it's their autonomy, and you as the experts are reading what they want and not what we want as humans, that we want to stroke them and we want to touch them. Yeah, it's not exactly, I don't want to say it's not easy, because it's not that it's difficult <laughs> in, <laughs> in one respect, but they are, we get why people want to touch elephants. I mean, for sure. We get why people want to see an elephant in real life. We understand all of the desire behind that. Just because we work with elephants doesn't mean we don't have it as well. They are, there is something significant about being in their presence. You know, they are, they're a little bit magical in I'm going to sound like a four-year-old, but, you know, before working with elephants, I had worked with many, many different species and I had never, I had never experienced what you experience with elephants. There really is just something to them, but you try not to let that dictate your time with them and try to kind of tuck that away a little bit so that you are more respectful of everything they've been through because essentially they've existed for people for the many decades before they've actually gotten a sanctuary and you don't want to have sanctuary just follow and perpetuate that same thing of them still needing to serve a purpose for humans. Yeah. Understand. You are very quiet today. I am very surprised. <laughs> he's he's holding the microphone in case in case it gets blown away by your. It's, uh, it's, a, it's by your... the two hundred fifty comment each week of Scott talks too much. No, no, nobody no. said that. Oh my god! No. It's starting to sink in. <laughs> I just turn around and you're just looking at me and smiling. It's like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 the times uh, Bob is giving us a signal that we've got about 10 minutes or yeah, eight minutes before the time is up. So the, the time for this session where you can talk, Scott, is, is running out. So uh, I hope, John, that we have answered your question um, more in detail. If not, send us another email. I'm going to add something to that a little bit. Uh, because so much of this, you know, when it talks about human elephant interaction, you know, in most scenarios, because elephants have been made available to the public, whether it be in a zoo and circus or in a sanctuary type setting where elephants or people are allowed to come and pet and feed, it becomes human centric. It becomes human, as Kat is saying, you know, said before, it's, it's, it's the human focus, not about the elephant focus. And we had a group of kids here the other day. Uh, there are actually young volunteers who are helping to represent the sanctuary at different booths and festivals uh, around the town. And uh, we did a on-site training with them. And one of the things we talked about is no selfies. And they all look at me and it's like, this doesn't make sense. It's like, what is a selfie all about? <laughs> it's about you. That's why it's called a selfie. 
you know, yeah. and you end up being the profile. And I said, let's make today about them. Let's make today yeah. about the elephants. And throughout that day, we start talking about, you want to see an elephant, right? You guys here volunteering, but you are here volunteering and you also want to see an elephant because people want to see it's that human motivation because people want to touch. It's the human motivation. It's a human desire. And go back to again, imagine stepping back from that. And what is it that the elephant wants? What is it the elephant desires? What is the elephant looking for in that space? And that's part of the equation that isn't normally discussed. You know, in a lot of scenarios where people are allowed to touch and feed, it's almost always about the food. It's about the watermelon. It's about the treats. It's about the good stuff that motivates the elephants to come over, but not necessarily the human elephant interaction. That's what mm. we love. But and that's what people see. They're yeah. like, oh, but they're coming over because they want to say hi. It's like, no, they're coming over because you have watermelon and bananas. Yeah. And it's it's the human motivation is is what we want to ask people to, to step back away from in your assessment of what is it, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And on a regular basis, we have the same questions. What is my job today for Hana's growth? What is my job today for Mara or you know, to facilitate friendships or to facilitate training, you know, what, is, what role am I supposed to play and how deep, how far down that road do we need to go in this moment to get what we need for their, well, their well-being, but also watching the boundary of that to make sure that we're not crossing over into, I would really want to give Hannah a hug today, which <laughs> almost every day I really want to give Hannah a hug. <laughs> She's very cute. She's easy to want to hug. So we're supposed to go back to stories about Hannah, though. We have drifted. We answered the question, and I brought it back to the question, and now we have drifted all the way <laughs> well, over an there. Interesting element because that it is so much, so much the reason why elephants are here, and the reason why they're in captivity is because humans want to be close to. They want that human yeah. elephant interaction, the human animal interaction. I mean, that's why they have been neglected. That's why they have been stolen from families. I mean, the core element mm. of all of it is because that human-elephant interaction that has really destroyed so much of what they should have had. Mm. And there I go, back down that tangent. All right, so Hanasaurus. <laughs> go for it, Hanasaurus. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> For me, the Hana stories, I mean, in this, in, initially, yes. I mean, I was going to say, most of the Hana stories I can think of are later on yeah. when she really kind of figured things out. You know, I think initially with Maya and Gita, she was over exuberant. She was hurt. She distanced herself. She started understanding things a little bit better on her own and started trying to work her way back into spending time with the two of them. And then, I mean, Gita died not that long after that. So there wasn't, yes, for me, there wasn't even just after Gita's passing was when you started to see how much Hana had changed because Maya was, I think it's safe to say Maya was devastated. Um, it was a little, we're going to go sad again, a little sad that, you know, she spent over 40 years next to an elephant that she didn't have a great relationship. And then when she 
and her really bonded and they got this beautiful relationship and then Gita passed away. It just, you know, compared to the amount of not so nice time she had with her, the good time she had with her was really short. And she closed down and she didn't really want anything to do with anybody. Um, Mm. She would still come to us, but she didn't want the same interactions she wanted previous to that. Um, And she didn't want Hana. Hana was trying to figure out how to help her and how to Mm. be comforting. Um, And Maya didn't want it. So Hana did one of the most lovely things where she would hang out within maybe a hundred yard radius of Maya and she wouldn't try to touch her. She wouldn't try to spend time with her. She wouldn't do anything except for be in her vicinity. And maybe once every few days, Maya would want to stand next to her. Sometimes it was for two minutes. She wouldn't touch her. Sometimes she would hang out with her for an hour You know, sometimes maybe she would touch on her for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and then she would leave again. And that's all she wanted. And Hannah was great about it. She gave her exactly what she needed, even though clearly Hannah wanted more. But Oh, that's sweet. It's lovely. It's the first steps of learning what it means to be a friend. Yeah. And to put somebody else's need before you. So essentially, that was the first time that... I guess we saw the impact of what she learned from Maya and Gita kind of shutting her and and her time on her own and being there for somebody more than she was for herself because her desire was clearly to be there for Maya in a way she wanted to be, which is somewhat natural, hugging, touching, but she put that all aside and instead gave Maya what she needed at the time, which was space. Oh, oh it's very beautiful. Oh, so we're ending on a, on a happy note, um, in a way, because, uh, Hannah was becoming the elephant that she was meant to be. So before we get cut off, either by the wind or by our recording time being over, I'll say thank you for giving us, yes, nearly another hour of your time, of your busy schedule. And until we catch up for our next recording, Take care. Thank you, Nadia. We look forward to talking next time. Bye, Nadia. Okay, bye. So that wraps up this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then tell your friends and your family and your colleagues about this fantastic podcast and let's spread the word to more people. Until next time, thank you and take care. (laughs) 